My guest today is a man who I've admired for... How long have I admired you? I've admired you for 25 years. I don't know if we're going to get to it, but one of the most impactful single seasons of SNL that I can remember... In 96? 95, 96. 95, yeah. 96. Then we worked together on a hit movie <laughs> called The Goods. I'm going to fucking knock you out. You already have. Starring my guest here, Jeremy Piven, Will Ferrell was in it, Bing Rames, Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. Um, Noreen DeWolf. Uh, Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Ed, uh, Ed Helms. Show, Ed Helms. Helms. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. What a hit. And uh, it is we talk we talk about this, but it, it has become quietly a cult classic. Yeah, it I, really it's is. funny as shit yeah. that movie. Yeah, Dave Keckner, he shouldn't have said anything before I said his name. He doesn't understand show business, and he never will. That's true. Uh, I don't mind that. That's true. Uh, I'm I was making that up, but I know you were. It but seems I, to be it, there's truth in that. All right, so uh, we did a we worked together on a movie in 2007. I think we both share a great fondness for each other and have virtually no relationship, but there's something to having fondness for somebody and requiring nothing from the other person and knowing that that person exists is great. couple things about Keckner I need you guys to know before we start. Uh, has some sort of, we'll call it autism, where you remember people's birthdays, everyone's birthday? I used to. But hey, 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 what happened? Well, what happened? I, I I got five kids and now it's like, you know, after a while, it becomes overwhelming in that you can't. Remembering birthdays? Well, just remembering uh, just all the stuff. Are you having a senior moment or you do you just not give a fuck? Both. Great. Uh, another thing that I will never forget. Uh, what did your father refer when he re- when he would say the word what we all say crotch the crotch area. What would your father say? The croth. The croth. Now, I believe it's because he thought crotch was a dirty word. Interesting. Yes. It's because I was like, well, everyone's, it, it's the, the crotch, dad. Why? I think he thought it was a dirty word. Would so he that, flinch when you would say crotch? <laughs> I wouldn't repeat it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> well, challenge Because he him. hit you. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't challenge him and go, Dad, it's crotch. Um, but he was, would say the croth area. But right down there in the croth area. But I think I was young enough to be like, like, you can't challenge your dad on that. But these days, your kids can challenge you on everything. It, it's It's been flipped. As far, there's no, no parenting it's, yes, anymore. It's insane. Parenting's gone. There is a George Orwell quote that I wrote down in my phone because I, it was from an Orwell short story. Um. And it it's like, yep, this is it. He said, the weakness of the child is that it starts with a blank sheet. It neither understands nor questions the society in which it lives. And because of its credulity, other people can work upon it, infecting it with the sense of inferiority and the dread of offending against mysterious, terrible laws. Wow. That's how- a sense of desolate loneliness and helplessness of being locked up, not only in a hostile world, but in a world of good and evil where the rules were such that it was actually not possible for me to keep them. Well, I read it seven years ago. It was like, fuck, this that, is it, dude. That is perfect. Yes, this is it. Terror from a total lack. I will never send this to you. Terror 
from a, you think I'm going to give up my writing like this? Terror from a complete lack of control. And that was always my recollection. It's like, you motherfuckers are changing the rules constantly. Constantly. And you can't really protest. You, you can right. do one protest, then you get smacked or yeah. something. Yes, you get, you, yes, you get, there's punishment. Uh, that is about as good as it gets. His name's George Orwell, uh -huh. and he um, was British. The second half of that sentence starts with something about the terror, uh, the, what was that? A sense of desolate loneliness That's and helplessness. It. That's it. You ever see the movie You, Me, and Everyone We Know? I haven't. It's the best uh, distillation of this this idea right. of how fucking lonely childhood is. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Right. It's as simple as... As I say, what our job is as parents is only to let your child know that you're seen and heard. And then my job should have been, and I didn't do this, to make sure that how you see and hear the world is important to me so I can reflect that back to you and then give you the guardrails to find yourself within that rather than let me place this dark, ugly smother on top of you and insist that you must comply with this rule but then because your life is so unmanaged mine yeah. is so unmanageable anyway you do it the best you can yeah in terms of it's what they call in the nba a bang bang play most it's like you know like inbound tip dit, 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 dit. most of life is just coming at you so fast yes. kids they're yelling they're crying they're sticky they're gross they smell that you're mad you're, you know what I mean? So you just yeah. do shit quickly and... And you hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, and it's always it's always imperfect. Uh, parenting, I think, is pass-fail. It really is. Right. It really is. Uh, do your kids still talk to you as adults? Yes? Great. You, you look back on stuff and go, oh, there's, there's room for so much improvement. Right. And you have to, you know, deal with whatever crisis is happening in the moment and you do your absolute best. How old's your oldest? 24. He's doing well. And the other thing I've told my kids, too... Uh, because, you know, uh, I went through the divorce and that was very hard and on everybody. Hmm. And I told Most my kids. find it pretty easy. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing of like you look back and go, OK, I should have been done better in terms of ensuring that the children were made to feel safe. Because when the family falls apart, then you don't feel safe. Right. And so I'd say that's the one thing I would probably have gone back and tried to, to, to correct. But I told my children after the breakup that I said, listen, I owe you a lot of apologies in life and I will always give them. And I will, it's not just saying uh, I'm sorry. There's, there's amends and there's steps to amends and I won't make an excuse. So anything you ever want to challenge me on, I'm open to hearing. And they've done it several times. So like that. And Charlie said a couple of things to me. I said, yeah, I get it. And, you know, I don't make an excuse. I can say these are the circumstances that were in play at the time. And so that probably fed into what happened. There's no excuse for it. Nothing horrible. You understand? Yeah. But, you know, I do. Um, sorry. No. <sighs> How my children feel is precious to me. And so, uh, you know, it's an ongoing thing and you just want to build on a stronger and stronger relationship. So, well, I didn't know that was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, you know, we're only like seven minutes in. No. Fucking no. save something. <laughs> I'm begging you. I'll tell you this. You do that to me one more time. <laughs> uh, 
I will cry at a commercial, and my kids will look at me. If they if there's a sappy commercial, you know, they will just kind of look down the couch and see, are you crying, Dad? Did you fight that? Because I find myself the older and I said the older I get, the more I'm like John Boehner. <laughs> Shot at the American dream. Like I did. <laughs> Yes. Where he'd be like yes. gin soaked and smoking, and then like start crying for no reason. It was yeah. fucking hilarious. It's pretty. And I think he he, he reads his book on tape after <laughs> after clearly having several glasses of wine. Oh fuck, that's great. Yeah. I also should mention uh, Keckner was uh, one of the best parts of a, one of the best movies, Anchorman. <laughs> so thank you, and you're yeah. right to say it. Yeah. No, I was only right. I'm trying to get the audience back. <laughs> If you don't mind. All right, let's do some blocks. Okay. Quit fucking around. Right. If you quit, you're fucking crying. We'll get some yeah, blocks. Yeah. So the basically, if you the, this list is basically all every all of your problems are ADD based. I think so. This is an impulsivity thing that I guess is is in, slightly intrusive. Uh, I just rented a new place and um, the air conditioning went out. So it was very hot. So I went out and bought a bunch of fans because it's nice and cool at night. And I showed the kids, insisted, this is how you, you put the fan in the window. You don't put it in your room, right? That's where you, you pull the cold air in. No, I think this is like, no, it doesn't work that way. So I'd show them. And then probably every 10 minutes, I'd go into the room like, right? Better, right? Right? Much better? Don't you feel cooler? You should open your door because you've you got to get, get the airflow going. Do you see? That's the type of thing where it manifests itself in the day to day. And are, are you right in this situation? Of course. <laughs> my dad um but you want but you want credit what are you looking for when you go in the room i guess confirmation yeah yeah dad of the century not it's not even about being the best dad it's probably about being right and i guess the i guess the other part is hoping that they get did you learn the lesson i think that might just reflecting back on it right now i think that's it like do you get it I'm just thinking what could be a good TikTok channel. Just a dad. If you can, they'll learn it. It just has to be in TikTok form. That's interesting. The other thing about the impulsivity is that then I try to overmanage my kids, just overmanage their lives. And it's like, just don't, just get the fuck out. You leave me alone. Because I'll focus on like the things that I know will be helpful to them, right? So I like to introduce this idea to them. But then I'll try to, I'll say the same thing 10 times. Yeah. To where I was like, now it's not possible, dad, because you've annoyed me past, uh, past annoyance. This is, this is, you've ruined it. Yes. I'm holding my antipathy toward your presentation of the idea. I'm holding it against the idea now. So not only fuck you, fuck the idea. And I get that it's a good idea. It's, it, don't, it don't matter. The fact that you were the postman, fuck you. Yes. Not at my address. Yeah, yeah get the fuck out of here. Well, because you kept, uh, you don't, the, the mailman doesn't go back and go, did you read it? <laughs> did you read? Oh, did you read the mail? Oh. Did you read the mail? God damn it. You That's just got to drop it off, Techno, <laughs> and then keep on your route. Run downtown. <laughs> let me open it and read it for you. Get the fuck out of my Should room. I, let me do it in a different voice. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that's very. <laughs> that's funny. a perfect metaphor. Um, oh my do god! Do you do they? Do you, it sounds like if I was your kid, I would make fun of you. Oh yeah. Do they go? Oh, dad's doing. No, he's picked me. So here it's <laughs> bugging. I'm it. Uh, they don't necessarily do it in the moment, but they they they'll make fun of me for whatever. Yeah, some of my behaviors and activities. Yeah, and 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 you know, all in good fun and for good reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not slagging there. Yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm saying like I would. They must make fun of you. Yeah. Uh, and I, if they don't, I implore them to. Yes, yeah, or just roll their eyes. All right, ADD, ADHD. Never diagnosed a child, but it must have been a great trial for my parents. I am one of six kids, and none of them are wired that way. And then that's the heading. Yeah. Then the the resulting blocks are poor concentration, impulsivity, disorganization, constantly making plans, yet struggle with follow through. <laughs> Go on. Do tell. <laughs> well, uh, you want to start from the childhood? Yeah. So, yeah, I just was non-compliant mostly with whatever their orders were. And it didn't, um, y- you know, then you're going to be uh, penalized more. And what happened, the result was, I think after a while, they just kind of threw their hands up and like, I don't know what to do with this kid. So just, were you just a terror kind of? No, I was... Um, unfocused and you know so i wouldn't comply necessarily to what they wanted and then um that was very frustrating to them now my mother you know your mother must have had kids every 10 seconds my mother had one the first 10 kids 16 years beat it beat it i challenge you i can't um she uh my mom had uh uh six kids over um what is it uh 15 15 years 10 years but it's interesting. The Catholics will say, and two miscarriages. <laughs> Fuck. So I got a text from my mom yesterday. I'll just read you what came up on my side. Um, just in terms of how weirdly macabre kind of older Midwestern women are. I'm off to a funeral. Anyhow, you were saying... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's it. Yep, I'm off to. Uh, yeah, it's it's something about something about my niece and nephews. Anyhow, off to a funeral. At her age, my mom can go whenever she sees a funeral. She can go, and she'll probably know the person. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so few per- people their age where it's like, yeah, I'll probably. It's like a like a club promoter. Yeah, <laughs> going to a club. Like, I'll probably know one of the other promoters or something. <laughs> perfect um so my mother had three kids in the first three years of their marriage and it was overwhelming my oldest brother had uh got very sick uh he had appendicitis and um so he had a really high fever and the doctors told her that that's going to impair him and so she focused on my brother like intensely like this is i don't know because it's her first i guess i don't know yeah and that my, seems to be the way. Yeah. My understanding is that she was very unhappy. So she'd moved from her small hometown near North Kansas City to this other small town in the Midwest and apparently not fond of her in-laws. And she was surrounded by them. Mm. So I imagine she felt quite trapped. And then one, two, three, she has kids in three years. Overwhelming. Again, no help. What I'm you sure- tell me is your father was a three-pump chump? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And then my father was working 60 hours a week because he'd started a new business. And she was doing the bookkeeping and did the bookkeeping with six kids all these years. And she would also iron clothes. Things you think about, like, how did you do that? 
But then if you have a narrow channel of responsibility, just this, this, and this, make food, do the laundry, do the books, I guess, right? Because in our world, it is, um, it's running the uh, level five rapids all the time. Yeah. And pretending you're going to put up a sail. That's the goal. I'm going to sail these rapids. Well, you don't sail rapids. Well, I'm going to try. Yeah. That's the only way to really achieve success. Because somewhere out there is the serene waters where someone picks up your boat and you don't even have to do anything except yeah. walk around and lounge. And then your art goes away. But um, that's for another podcast. That's another podcast. But uh, so I think by the time I came along, I was very different. And again, I haven't asked my sisters what was, I, I wonder if I was a particularly fussy baby. Because I don't feel like we ever attached my mom. You and your own your old lady? Mom. Yeah, yeah. I felt like we were like, ah, oh, we're a miss. And so that's the way it was. And so for me, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was done. I made the decision, I'm leaving. You guys can do what you're going to do, but I, I've got to cut. When I was 10 years old, I distinctly remember walking around the west side of my house when I was 10, alone, feeling the way George Orwell did. And uh, just that desolation of loneliness. I'm just like, I'm leaving. Also, you were aware of the west side of your house I know, at yeah. 10 years old? I knew, I knew that's, uh, yeah, that's, a, yes. <laughs> You're seeing a, the orientation of a man's brain right now. I've literally never heard a human being describe their childhood house as I was on the west side, other than like the White House. Well, but I was outside. I was walking around by myself outside, collecting it's my no thoughts. better. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I remember thinking distinctly, I have to leave. I'm going to miss my family and friends but I have to go. And this wasn't the childhood feckless weapon of the threat of running away. No, no, it was not it a was, hollow threat. It no, was no. like, Oh, it was a decision. I, I can't. Yes. I, I, yes. All Tell I me knew more. was I have to live in a city. So I'm growing up at 10 out of 2000 people. And I recognized early. It was like, no one's like me here. I just, I'm just, I'm here. I'm doing whatever, but I just, this isn't my place. Yeah. I have to go. And so, yeah, that decision was made very early. And I remember not feeling emotionally torn, like, oh, I'm going to miss the family. Yeah, I very much agree. My brothers and sisters were great, like routinely, like take me places. Great. My, I went to, I, I used to go to the Chicago, my brother was an usher, an Andy Frayne usher in Chicago. So I used to go to the Chicago Stadium. When I tell you I've been to, a hunt i went to a hundred games at the chicago wow. bulls and blackhawks i went to a bulls game how old are you neil i'm so old i saw someone mistake michael jordan for orlando woolridge that's how old i am someone a little white girl goes are you orlando woolridge and i remember michael jordan being like no <laughs> like like what i really swear i feel like it's one of the last times it happened to him um but and cubs games probably 100 cut like wow uh and then when i was in high school my brother kevin took me to comedy shows in new york and like so i'm very grateful to them but i also remember distinctly being like i gotta get the fuck out of here uh -huh. from the emotional tenor my parents were setting yeah it was interesting i there was a guy who uh was he was a child of uh he was a uh child of one of my parents' closest friends, and that they didn't live in town. And they came to visit, and he told me recently, he said that, um, he said I was four or five or something like that. 
And we were outside playing hide and seek. And I think he said he was eight. And he was like, I guess impressed with me in such a way. He's like, this kid must be adopted because he's so much smarter than the rest of these kids and so much different. Like, he's not part of this family. <laughs> so it was such, and this just happened a year ago that I was, he told me this. I was like, oh, there's fucking validation right there for me. The guy remembered it? Yeah. He told I, me that. Yeah. That's so, must have been so gratifying. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, hey, hey. Yeah. Hey, I knew it. I mean, a lot of show businesses, I knew it. Yeah. That's true. A lot of show businesses is like, I had a suspicion <laughs> that I was weird and something like a little something. I just knew it was something that I should move to Chicago. You ever read Bob Dylan's autobiography where he said, and I don't feel this way, but he said, I feel like I was born into the wrong family. I think a lot of people, I have not heard that one, but I think a lot of people probably felt that way. But I don't you feel also that- Can they write songs? <laughs> right. <laughs> here, here, the other thing is it was necessary for us to become who we were. And uh, so I have to be grateful for that. Had I grown up in a city, I might have been uh, quite happy to then do something else. But like that desperation of I've got to find my expression, and then it becomes through this other means. And I'll bring this back to the ADD thing and how it um, manifests in my life. Because ADD, no, plus what we call ADD or ADHD is, is what? Um, that's a gun. Well, what kind of gun? A gun. Don't worry about it. I don't know why gun came up, but shotgun. And each one of these pellets is a different definition of what ADD is, yeah. right? And why does it particularly go that way? And then they try to treat it with medication. That's fucking, uh, not to be controversial, but come on. So you're a Scientologist. No, but it just, there are ways to certainly guide it yeah. and, and, you know, recognize it and then try to do something with it. It's like dyslexia. And yeah. I, I'm shocked that it's still so overlooked and misdiagnosed. Uh, my brother, as it turned out, uh, severely dyslexic and they never knew. And so my mother was always very worried that something's wrong here. Right. Well, no. Is this the oldest brother? Yeah. What what was the diagnosis on him? Well, they said that because he'd had a high fever, it's going to have a, you know, he's going to have a lessened brain function. Oh, got it. Right. And that never happened. Yep. He, he went on to run my dad's business, right? Took it right over. into the ground. Yep. Go ahead. No, no, no. He, <laughs> okay. he did well with it. Um, but yeah, so, but the, her focus on that rather than the rest of us, uh, my sister had once told me uh, that her, our mother, her mother. <laughs> 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 it said, I don't know how you and Will, Dave will you just put wow? <laughs> have wow come up behind him? She said, I don't know how you and, and uh Mary Rose, I don't know how you and David learned your ABCs because I was so focused on uh, Mark, which tells me what I knew, which was like, oh, I was just alone. Which in one way, isn't that what you want? Like, leave me the F alone. Yeah. But the other uh, the other thing I always, uh, 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 instead of writing that blank sheet of paper, I've always equated it to um, the wrong software. Mm. Like you've got your mainframe. There it is. Now, all the wires are just out here and it's up to you to plug them in and build your own software. But no, no, you're given, you're going to run this software, which is called Catholicism right. and everything it means. And there is no other software you're also, allowed to Also, good luck, truly the best of luck trying to put new software on 
when you've installed it's it's like it's like when you two put their album on the iphone and you couldn't delete it uh-huh. that's what catholicism is true it's it, like yes. yo is there i mean every you ever it informs your logic your i mean it there is a level of morality to catholicism that i find worthwhile none of them follow it well it's ironic yeah but it's like not wrong i don't think it's wrong i don't think the ten commandments are wrong especially the stuff about donkeys i find especially relevant um so so i i i completely hear you and you're also ingesting your parents frame right uh and their experience yeah and the way things have to be yes and i can only assume that for generations Everyone just went along with this failed system. See, I started working for my dad when I was seven years old in a manufacturing plant. He owned a... a, a you're working the smelter? <laughs> but <laughs> kind of, you're near, a, you're, you're near some adult contraption that can kill you. People, some of the machines I worked with, uh, people had lost fingers <laughs> and thumbs. I'm not kidding you. That's what it was like. Yes. It was, I have some jokes about it. It was so disorganized. You can't, you can't believe it. I was seven and made to work after school every day for five cents an hour. And my dad would say, I'm overpaid at that price. Oh, what's this? You know, as big as he spends his bubble gum. <laughs> and in my mind, I would think, of course, I wouldn't correct him. You don't let me buy bubble gum. It's not like, oh, I got bubble gum money. Yeah. Like, it was relegated all the way down to like I wouldn't have, I wasn't allowed to buy a Mad magazine like that's too risque you know I couldn't go down to Hex Drug Store and just buy a comic book. No, this no. is in the 30s. When <laughs> right? was this? Yeah, I remember my my parents threatening me with military school uh, around 13, <clears throat> and my thought was, oh please send me, just get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> this does not work. Yeah, because I thought to myself, good, because when I go to military school. I'm going to learn to play guitar and I'm probably going to be a rock star. So just so you know, just so you know, that's how you send it's going to go down. There's going to be nothing but excellence coming back. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, which is also kind of the plot of one of the greatest novels or why ain't is catching the right, which is military school, ah, which I forgot about till recently. I was like, Oh yeah, you fucking went to, I have to say, I never read it. it. You would, I know I would love it. You would love it based on that. And then based on that, that whole like, well, just say that's the whole tone. Like, well, just so you know, and it, yeah, it's like a bunch of phonies. <laughs> He's constantly talking about phone. It's I, great. I've read Franny and Zoe, which is another really okay. No, movie. I mean that's more yeah. tender. Yeah, Catching the Rise, like desperate and yeah, and that's what like we were talking about earlier. That's where a lot of kids are. You're desperate to know, and I don't think my kids are desperate. I really don't. I mean, there might be some desperation that that's unspoken to me, um, and there's always a sense of desperation that any human probably has. But I don't think they may, they don't necessarily feel it to the point where they are, are desperate to get that. That they want to go to military school. Right. right. <laughs> they used to make me run to the post office to pick up the mail. So we didn't get mail delivered to our house. There was a post office. That so was 19, a hack- again, it was 1930s. <laughs> 1929. You knew Superman, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The mail, the post office was a half a mile away. And they would make me run to the post office to get the mail and run home because I had so too much energy. We would go out on, here's the, punishing thing on sundays after church every sunday and then every sunday we'd go to my grandmother's house and they'd all talk for an hour or two and there's nothing to do 
and you can't go, go explore. Then we'd go for a long car ride out in the country and our, our country squire station wagon. And I'm sure I'd be torturing that fuck out of my brothers and sisters. They'd make me get out and run along the side of the car. <laughs> fuck, that's hilarious. That's how much energy. That's like, that's how exhausted they were. Like, get the fuck out. Of, they never said fuck, but get the fuck out of the car. Leave everyone alone and just just run alongside the car. Yeah, my brother Tommy, I was before I was born, but apparently he fell out of a moving car. He fell out of the station wagon. Talking about impulsivity, I once, very young, opened the car door and put my foot down like I was going to go feel what it was like to to put your foot outside and feel yeah. along the like, which we're all curious about. <laughs> Look, you'd be a, a liar to say we're not all curious about that. You did you do it? I put my foot out and my mom was like, what are you doing? I got, I probably got within two inches of, I was just going to, you know. Yeah, you just skimming yeah, it. Tap the road one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just skimming it. <laughs> well, at least they didn't want to kill you. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, I used to do a joke about, uh, do you remember when there was this fad in the 80s when kids would fall down a well? Uh-huh. <sighs> they should bring that fad back. <laughs> Yeah, but also, I haven't heard from Wells. They just disappeared somehow. Well, they finally filled them in with concrete. Thank right? you. Something, something like yeah. I, I guess I we, guess we should fill yeah, like this we in. had. Were they active wells? No, they would be. You know, wells that were just that were old, and these are wells, folks, that are just two feet wide, and so kids would fall down. Can you imagine the horror? And then there'd be a week where they'd be the rescue team would be well, baby Jessica, right? I think that was the first one, right? Yeah, like that. that was the. But also, the horror doesn't sound any worse than what you were going through. <laughs> so uh, I was down my own well. But yeah, what the ADHD does then is because you do feel your own sense of out of control, right? And so then you seek some control or suppress what's going on, which is this constant flood of thought going back to the rapids, just going wah. Like my my mind is a twenty lane highway, and there's twenty cars that I'm driving at the same time, and then one of them speeds up, and the rest of the cars go, "Are we going?" And so the whole thing is like, <laughs> that's what my mind's like. So then, what you tend to do is, uh, oftentimes you'll fall into addiction, and you know I was a, an alcoholic. Well, you're always an alcoholic. I'm sober now, but when for, he gets sober, I've tried for years, but uh, you know, more than a year ago, you know, because I oh, had, like that's recently, I had a couple of public things I don't oh know great know didn't know that a couple of duis not Ooh. one not one. Oh. Two within six months like are you kidding me they wanted to send you one more and they send you to adult military there academy yeah 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 uh so no it was you know you make mistakes don't drink and drive okay please ever uh and and you know those are some failures and then you you know your kids have got to see this shit yeah. and it's on the news and all that stuff and it's like oh god um but, I, you know, I guess to say it's another wake-up call, I had been sober before that, and then just one day you slip, and then you get behind the wheel. That's literally what had happened mm. both times. Uh, I, like I, slip like you had six months or a year? Oh, yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have a relapse, and then yeah. I, 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 I had solid time before that first one. And then you have a day, and you're like, oh. The first what was, would make you drink? Oh, I'm triggered by everything. Well, that particular one, because, you know, you talk yourself into it. One, the one was, uh, I decided I wanted to change my sobriety date to New Year's Day. 
That's how dumb that type of thinking is, right? That's the alcoholic thinking. You, the alcoholic will, will plan and scheme, right? And so you start planning and scheming and thinking, how are you going to have that drink for what? Now, it goes back to the ADHD and the ADD because you need to suppress the thing that's going on. Like you feel a bit out of control, so you want to control it. So you typically control it with a substance, right? Like maybe I can put this in line or else I'll feel like it's less, whatever, racy. Um, and so, yeah, you, you make those types of decisions for that reason. When I hear you talk about the, your alcoholism, I'm uh, codependent. So Me too. my problem is what kind of standard of behavior can I hold a drug addict or an alcoholic to? A sobriety is the only standard. But interpersonally. To, to their behavior? Yeah. Oh, you can't do anything. No, 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 I'm saying how should I react? I Should I react with... Compassion? Yes. Uh, yeah, you could, you could say, I see you're struggling. Do you want to talk about it? That's all you can do. They're late. They're, oh. they're, and I'm not saying because they're actively drinking, they're just... It's alcoholic behavior. Yeah, yeah. alcoholic behavior... My it's over 25 years. I've fig I've I've figured out how to do it, mm -hmm. but it's not easy. Meaning when I say it, I mean, hold the alcoholic or drug addict to a standard. They hate it. They plead how it's not fair, how it's wrong, that the you know, all the all the alcoholics and 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 mental illness excuses and it's kind of like I don't that I, it's kind of not my problem. It's not your problem at all. Yeah, it's their problem. It, it, if it affects your life, then it's your problem, and yeah. they're your problem. And then you have to just let them go, if, especially if it becomes uh, toxic, or you know, like that. If you hold them to a standard because you had to have a lunch date is one thing, or if um, you're they're working for you, then it's like you get uh, this third strike. You're you're done here. And I wanted to keep you on, but this doesn't work. I've had to get rid of some people. Uh, in my life that are toxic. And it's like, oh, I've known you for almost 30 years, but you know what? You're kind of shitty. So, yeah. no. Have people let you go and you've been like, yep. I'm, sh I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, there are some, there are some friendships that I'm, that are a mystery to me that aren't uh, continued. And I'm, I've always been like, what, what did I do? And this goes back to possibly the impulsivity or the codependence, which is an insistence that we're friends in a certain particular way. And a lot of people are like, I, that's not a, 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 that's not the way I interact, I have interpersonal relationships. So, but if you have this codependence, which sometimes is triggered by the ADHD is because if you're not quite sure of yourself because of ADD, like, am I, is this, is, that, is this out of line? Is that out of line? Then I'm checking in with you, which makes you have to then be my guardrail, which is just what you're talking about. Like, what is your responsibility to this person's crazy mind and how you have to deal with and help him navigate the water? It's like, dude, you got your own boat. Maybe you should get out of the water. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so that those things invade on every level too. You know, check this, this checking in, this checking in type well, thing. Well, it's checking in with the sick person. Yeah. For no, it's going person. to the problem yeah. for the solution. Right. Although um, I will say, I have told my kids, if there's one thing I would have redone, it's I never would have taken a drink. My life would have been much different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'd be much happier hmm. uh, had I never done that. Happier today if you'd never drank. Yeah. But you haven't drunk in a year. Oh, I'm happy. Right, but I'm As saying. I can be with my yeah. un unbridled. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, You're the city. 20 lane highway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, you know, you're, you're, you're really limiting your, the possibility of your happiness during all those years of drinking. 50 years. For, first time I, I got drunk the first time at 10. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. went on for 50 fucking years. I didn't know. I don't recall you being a, a drunk when we worked together. Well, no, no. I mean, it was always manageable. I wouldn't be drunk at work. Yeah. No, never at work. You didn't even seem hungover. You just seemed oh, like, no. yeah. well, even, like you played a good drunk. Like we do like, look. Sure. Like, <laughs> so yeah, you never struck me as drunk, but. Um, well, no, no, not at work, you know. No, yeah, I yeah, got yeah. it. But I, it just, you didn't look puffy or whatever. So. <sighs> So, I mean, there, there'd be spells I could go. I, I would be able to go for six, eight months and not not drink because I'd be determined like I, this is in my way. Uh, let me let me put this down and I'll just get straight. And but I wasn't in program. Do you have a ton of regret, missed opportunities, things like that based around drinking? And how did you handle how do you handle the shame and the regret? Uh, you just don't like that. You have to look past it. It's it's over. I didn't hurt anybody. Um, except myself. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure it's, you know, hurt me, uh, work wise. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm sober now. And, uh, but so yeah, and things like that. And you just where you could have been better or sharper or, or whatever, yeah. or, you know, there was one show I was on and it was, uh, it was when my marriage was falling apart and it was pretty obvious. Like, uh, you got something going on there, big boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, you know, here's the thing. It's not. It's never going to help you. No. Socially, it makes people feel less anxious. Okay, yep. I get it. So does box breathing. <laughs> you know. So do that. Yeah. Do it's that not before the you most, go. It's hard to box breathe and catch up. I'll say that <laughs> at a party. I've tried it. I, people didn't love it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm saying before you go to the party, whatever. But you don't need to escape your present moment. What your your, your desire is to be present. And so don't run away from it. Just get there. Stay right, there. People don't have their desires to be present. No, they don't. They don't. They, there's just not, it's not what we're trained to do. Right. It sounds like, if I hear you correctly, that it's hard to be in your body. Yeah. I've studied TM, mm -hmm. right? And I'm going to see Greg Fitzsimmons later today. Great. And he and I did it together. Great. We went to the classes. Best thing about transcendental meditation you pay, it's like, I don't know, 150, something like that. Six classes. They give you a mantra. It's that simple. They never ask for more money. They offer more classes. They don't sell it to you. But like, and those are free, I think. I overpaid. Did you? Yeah, because the guy's like, pay, you know, pay what you want. I think he may have uh -huh. over-suggested. So did you do it? Yeah. And do you do it every day? I did for a while. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. I don't. Uh, and when I do, oh, God, it's consistency. It's building that real habit. And that's all it would take. It really would. So you tell, you know, I tell myself like you can't give yourself that twenty-one minutes in the morning and twenty-one minutes at night. Then do half. How about that? And it's that makes everything manageable. It puts everything back into focus. It's all okay. And then, and then maybe I won't try to do everything all at once. But you need, you would in order to uh, uh, execute that plan, you would need to, to, not have ADD. Right. Yeah, that would help. <laughs> okay. Raised Catholic, yep. and you wrote a well-known block. Yes. One of the greats. <laughs> it's, a, it's a granite block. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I can out-Catholic you, but my mother came from a family of nine kids. Out of those nine kids, there were two priests 
and two nuns. Incredible. <sighs> That's yeah. what I'm growing up in. Every holy day and every saint's day, we had to go to, to, to church. So you don't ever miss a Sunday, number one, ever. And you don't miss a saint's day. Like you go to church. Just, and there's there, and they have the list. Constant, yes. They, they're yeah. nuns and priests. Yeah. And, and you come home and your mom's wearing a blouse and you're like, <laughs> fuck. Is it a fucking, come is home, it a you, fucking holiday, some kind home, of holiday? From, from where? You think I was allowed to go out of the house to my friend's house one mile away in Tipton? No. That's Did, how strict it was. You but could, couldn't you masquerade? Couldn't you blow off some steam? Couldn't you do it like, I got to go for a run and then. No. I mean, you, know, you had to be reporting in. You, you, I, I was, there was no freedom whatsoever. Yeah. Fear no. or just repression? Both. For, uh, on their part. Oh, I they didn't love joy. No. They didn't love merriment. No, they no, didn't no. love. We couldn't. We weren't allowed to laugh at the dinner table. Wow. And I have the same rule at my shows. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Uh, I was often invited off the table and then uh, told to stand. Uh, my dad would draw a little circle like I'd have to get on my tiptoes. He'd draw a circle. I'd have to put my nose in the circle and hold my arms out. Because I was being disruptive at the dinner table. Demonstrate it on the microphone, please. Uh, on the microphone. On the microphone. I, and I, then you'd have to hold your arms out. Well, on, on my tiptoes. And he drew the circle because you, you'd tiptoes, you'd draw a circle, you'd put your nose in that circle, tiptoes, arms out. How long would you have to do that for? I don't know. For as long as, like, probably till they finished dinner, just so my ass wouldn't be there. Would you cry? Oh, I'd be, no, just, just, just angry. I would cry. I was a big one of the great criers good for you uh yeah that's a that's a that's a healthy way to express yourself a, really a friend of mine an adult friend of mine a, I, I, a gay adult friend and he was somewhere with his boyfriend and somebody threw something at him like some they yelled and threw something at him and he's like and i was like plotting and scheming and i'm gonna do it and he's like then i got home and i just cried that's He's like, because it was like, yeah. I, I, my feelings were hurt. All the anger yeah. from hurt feelings. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess why you say good for you is because the anger is sadness, probably. I, yeah, your right. anger. I think you're right. Yeah. The four pieces of, of fear, right? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Fa uh, fawn's new, by the way. Mm -hmm. Fawn, they didn't have 15 years ago was that I right? was aware of. Okay. And then I saw it and I was like, that's, side note, every relationship in LA. Right. And that's all part of codependence too. Yeah. Right. How do I act with this person right now? And and sometimes just like it's, you're walking past someone. Why do I? Why do I feel like I have to have a certain uh, position with that person? They they will never know you. It doesn't even matter. It's yeah. whatever. You know. You're just walking down the street. Like, uh, well, I'll walk this way. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm not a threat. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I want you to know I appreciate you. Yeah. Why? Why? It's Mulaney's ex-wife, you say. That walking around with me was like walking around with someone who's running for mayor of nothing. <laughs> so how would how did Catholicism affect your shame, sex, success? Did that, did it? It's all shame, right? All shame. You know, I, I it's that not good enough, that feeling of not good enough. That really, it's, that, that can be paralyzing and, you know, um, then again, uh, that'll feed into something of soothing with, you know, uh, substance abuse, alcoholism. Um, so those, you know, that's how you deal with it. Like I can't be myself. 
oh, okay, I'll drink then on myself. I can be myself now because I'm not thinking about, you know, the anger and all that. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the, you feel ashamed, Mm -hmm. then you think that the shame is coming from other people. Yeah. And then it, you are so defensive naturally. Mm -hmm. And so you start drinking and you're like, right, you didn't think I, right, right, right. And it's like, they didn't think of you at all. Well, they they would know of them. I'm talking about my parents. Yes. No, no, no I'm yeah. talking about the proverbial, the yeah. person that you're walking past or whatever. Oh, yeah, right. Like yeah. they're they not. They, they were not even on. There's someone. I, a quote from someone that uh, people don't think about you as much as you think they do. People are not thinking about. You. No. You know, we're always thinking. Oh, what is so and so? Yeah. Sorry. You're. Yeah. I'd say you're just. We're all just flying past each other's windshields. It's like this, 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 this. And you, okay. Yeah, but I, you know, even when I got Saturday Night Live, like my parents, they're like, "Ah, that show is a little, you know, yeah, a little racy." They weren't. I, they, I, racy. Say, I didn't think. I, I thought you were going to say like past its prime or something. Oh no. Yeah. They, they didn't have an opinion about comedy. Yeah. It was like uh, they're they're sometimes dirty, so they weren't necessarily. It wasn't a thrill for them. Like, but are you kidding? Yeah. Do you not understand what this is? This is the pinnacle. Yeah. Uh, but like, well, it's not our type of show. And I was just like, you have no idea what it takes to get here. It's also such a weird thing to express. Yeah. It's like, do you not see the accomplishment? Is that not the thing? I don't think they could. I, you're right. I think you need their their value system. Their family's for 40% holy people oh yeah uh, here's a question that it's not about you or or why do you think that generation what do you think that the the two that became nuns two became priests do you think it was a like a sexual thing a repression thing a service thing because they remember when a lot of people would be called oh yeah that's and then I, they stopped the stop the call stopped uh, that's what i had a conversation with my aunt who's now passed and she was in her 80s and we were driving i drove drove her from um kansas city to tipton which is two and a half hours and i asked her about it and um she did she, was she an honor she was she one was of none she was and so all of the things that you mentioned about you know the reasons to go into it are are in play but also poverty because that was an, a free education right and she told me that she got the call. She told me when she got the call. And she told me that she was boy crazy early, right? And then, uh, you know, you're always being indoctrinated when you're in a Catholic school yeah. about make sure you're available to the call. And she was basically also, the call, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, they would say you it was a vocation. Yes. And you were, and the basically God would speak to you and tell you to become a priest or none. To be in the most repressive yes. position in a dorm you. with other priests and yes and uh, never get your own freedom of expression your your life is only service you are married to god literally married to god as they say they have a ring don't yeah. the nuns uh, wear a ring yeah no. uh it's this it's such an odd thing and i'll say it that's a fucking cult i mean come on gang catholicism yeah it's come on this is this makes no sense whatsoever and then because look what happened within it Right, all the abuse. Yeah, the amount of abuse and the amount of it's it's maybe the most inconvenient truth that I can think of. Like worse than climate change in a weird way, because because it's 
it's they want they automatically just forgave him because it's so like fuck oh fuck dude what did you do unbelievable i almost understand the pope shifting people around and and like ah fucking if we (laughs) if, if we throw out everyone that it does this we're gonna have no one doing it right and, and we that, believe yeah. not only is it the financial incentive, like we need to leech money from our parishioners consistently because it's basically a real estate operation at yes. this point. Yeah. And and or we're helping. Yeah. We're not, helping the world. Yeah, you're lining your with pockets. our message. I, it's such a weird thing. I, I don't understand. And of course, it's I don't know if they even have nuns anymore. Like you don't see them. You don't see them. I don't. I think that thing is dying out and. A lot of your priests are coming from overseas now. Oh, right. Yeah. Because people are like, I ain't doing that. I think, you know, for a long time, it was an escape from uh, your own repressed sexuality. I mm-hmm. think that was part of it. And then my understanding of the things I've heard about it is because they were dormitized in a dorm room, right, in eighth grade or 12, 13, you'd go to the seminary at that age. And at that age, boys start exploring sexually. And mm-hmm. so that's when they- What, what per- kind of sex objects are, what kind of objects of sexuality are- ha- would be common at a, at a, uh, what are they called? The sermon, the what? Seminary. Seminary, yeah. yes. Well, how what, do we get, what, sem- a lot of dicks we get around there? Fluid you know, <laughs> so they're all, you know, probably, you know, having whatever, just, yeah. you know, they're casual, like, oh, okay, just a bunch of dudes, haha, let's have a, a circle jerk, whatever that is, right? And so I think because they're sexualized at that age, that's why a lot of these priests, I think, would sexualize kids right. at that same age. Yeah. Because that's what they know. Yeah, but it's so dark and devious, and it, they and they don't have a, a an outlet for expression. That maybe they're testing, like, are you like me too? And it's okay to have this freedom now here too. And like, yeah. really messed up. And you know, it's institutionalized too. Yeah. So yeah, just all of it is no. The problem is not replacing it with something else. You know, when I when I quit going, I'll tell to you church. This. Yeah. Long time ago, I, I, I wanted I wanted to believe. Oh, I'm sorry, my my, my aunt, who's a nun, was sitting on, on a, uh, a playground set when she was 12 or something like that, and that's when she heard the call. And it was very clear to her that that's what she needed to do. I was like, oh, okay. And she was boy, concurrently boy crazy. Yes, but then and that, maybe what, depending on what part of the playground set, may have had some vaginal. <laughs> I'm betting there may have been some connection I'm, there. I'm sure she never had anything you, I like am, that. I cannot believe you didn't ask her. <laughs> that old lady about her young vagina. Um, had it been touched? <laughs> pull over. Let me ask you this. Um, uh, did Okay. And what? so she said it was about, I, it's, at least she mentioned the boy crazy part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that she got the call and she remembered it was very clear and that uh, and that was she was supposed to do. And she was smiling when she was telling the story, almost like that glow. If you watch that that Mormon documentary on yeah. Netflix, like that type of like. Yeah. What is it? Sweet, sweet. Uh, keep, su- keep pray sweet. and obey or something. Uh, keep sweet, sweet. Something yeah. yeah, weird like that. I, I think it's, I think we're both right. Yes. Keep sweet, pray, and obey. There is. What it's called, I so yeah, the four of them. And a lot of it was uh, economics. So yeah, and so that's how Catholic. And now I quit going to church when I was a sophomore in college. 
because I wanted to believe. I had I had to go to a Catholic uh, college. At the I didn't even. I was going to ask, but I'm like, of course you did. Yeah, where'd you go? There's no option. You could go to a you could go to community college, but you can only go to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, if you want to go to college, because that's where my uncle was the abbot of the monastery that was connected to that college. Fair enough. So there you're going. That's it. Did you get uh, a full for, ride? <laughs> no, no, no. My parents paid. Uh, what college wasn't expensive right, yeah. then, but. Um, so I had to go there for two years, and I did. And then I went to the University of Missouri and completely fucked off because I was a poli sci major, and I realized by my third year, like, oh, I'm not going to make it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I realized what politics was. I really wanted to get in and to help people. I really did. I really did. And uh, I, that was my calling. Like, I want to help people, but also I think I wanted to be in front of people. Yeah. But I had no access. To, like, I've never met an actor, you know, from yeah. Tipton, Missouri. I didn't know how this would ever work. I knew at 13 I was going to be on Saturday Night Live. I knew that then. I'm like, I'm going to be on that show. So then I choose, what am I going to do? Tell my parents I'm going to be a theater major? <laughs> oh, they're, oh. they're not going to pay for that. Yeah. So um, by the third year, I realized to be a successful politician, you have to be either A, from a political family, or you have to be um, uh, from a wealthy family, or you have to be the smartest person in any room you walk into. And I was none of those things. So I was like, this is not going to be satisfying. Um, or, you know, a poli-sci major, then it's either teach or, um, you know, be a lawyer. I was like, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. Did you, once you got sober, I'm still just curious, like, how did the, how did the Catholicism bleed into other stuff? I think because you're looking to reject it so hard. Mm -hmm. So that, that forced its hand of... Fuck you! I'm gonna. You want me to behave? Uh, uh. I'm gonna misbehave as deeply and as irresponsibly as I possibly can. Give me a highlight reel. Well, using all my kids, my watch. Well, using all kinds of drugs, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, ones you really shouldn't do. Yep. And um, and you have to introduce in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Got it. No, no. Uh, actually, Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri was. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. A couple of buddies who uh, were junkies and. Uh, yeah that's wild i dabbled in everything yeah yeah i, I was i was like because it was it was it was a response to that that um very repressed uh, upbringing i'd say that and also you're reckless to begin with yes yeah uh, but but i'm pursuing the recklessness as well right just to test it because there's always that you know feeling of immortality at a certain age yeah and you have to just get out of yourself. I think that's the other part of the ADD. Like I need to get, escape who I am and what's going on. Yeah, I don't think it's easy to be in your body. I don't. I think being being a human being is difficult. Anytime you do drugs, you spend the first half an hour or forty five minutes going, "Are you dying? Am I dying? Are you dying?" Like you're risking death yeah. to escape this consciousness right it's, yes. and it's and i got some bad news for everybody sometimes it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> a buddy of mine said one time when you're when you're in your teens and 20s you think you're immortal and you're kind of right yeah yeah you're just you kind of right yeah. yeah yeah all right final questions yes. so the biggest thing you've done that helped you yeah was 12-step program yeah biggest thing you've done is 12-step program and TM worked. You won't. You can't figure out how to make it a part of your life. You what were the to. big three or four biggest kind of ways you've helped yourself? Performing. 
Okay. Yes. Making that decision that I'm going to be an actor, and uh, I'll just say when I made that decision, I had zero doubt that this was I was going to be a success at this. And then when I moved to Chicago, I was on stage five nights a week, either in class or doing shows. Mm -hmm. The greatest time of my life. Yeah. Just doing it and doing it and doing it. And then hard work. Um, I do hard work all the time. Uh, I don't care if look. I just moved to this new place. There's literally a hundred boxes to unpack, and I'm doing it. I had moved from one place to the other because the other place was a disaster, and I moved in. I'm like, what the fuck? The the shower leaks. There's mold in the dishwasher. All the faucets are brown, and I just made the decision in one week. Like I'm leaving. You're giving me my money back. I packed it up and I moved on. And I found a place in three days. Mm-hmm. Like when I set my mind to shit, it's going to go down. That's it. If you set your mind to shit, it's going to fucking happen. So I know I have that capability, and I'm very proud of that. And so when it comes to having to, you know, look, I only started doing stand-up 12 years ago because I had my fifth kid. And I made a decision then. I was like, you know what? I better always have a job I can create for myself. And I did it. And I'm very happy and proud of myself that I did that. Uh, I know a lot of people still, I've never typed a special. That's what I'm going to go talk to Greg about, actually. Uh, But... I'm so happy it's there, but you do get to be a certain age in town, and uh, you know you're less you're 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 less valuable, right? And so you have to create your own value, and you can create. To, to me, I still believe this: the best part of my career is, is still ahead of me, and it can be, and it's easy. All you've got to do is do it. Mm-hmm. Get out of your own way. Apply yourself, and who knows? Maybe a year from now, because of this podcast and it's public, and I really have to do something. Maybe I will. What do you mean? Well, do all those things that I've been intending to do. Right. Right? Go ahead and do it. It's that it's just easy. Go ahead and do it. Stop procrastinating, which is part of the ADD too. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. So determination, program, making a bet on yourself. Yep. I would like people, whenever people talk in that sort of manifestation language, I always want to stop and say, you have to have talent. Yeah, you have because there's so many people that only hear that. Has anyone said you're the blankest person I've ever met? Has anyone said you're the funniest person I've ever met? Best looking, smartest, fastest, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, then make a decision in that direction. It can't just be, you know, people move out here to be an actor, and it's like, have you ever acted before? No, but I get, and it's like, hey, man. It's like moving to Silicon Valley and being like, I don't really, computers aren't really my thing, but like, I feel like I'll get into them once I move there. Like, that's how I am. Probably design department. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you have to have talent. That's true. Um, Okay, so You have to have recognizable talent. Let's say five people in your life have said, you're the, I can't believe how X you are. I can't believe, you're the blankest person I've ever met. Yeah. All this stuff, even the drinking it sounds like you were drinking to it. Maybe it felt like you were becoming more yourself, but you were actually becoming less yourself. Probably, yeah, that's probably yeah. And it's those decisions are always like a kind to me. Bad decisions are about denying your true yep. essence. Hundred um, percent. Like the true essence is on stage five nights a week. Like that's your real mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. your real thing. Yeah. It's fucking Dave Keckner. Hey, NB. Hey chief. Hey chief. We used to say that. Hey chief. Hey, I don't chief. even know what we're doing. Uh, all right, you're great. I love you. Love you too, buddy. Good shit. 